Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome again to another episode of the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to join us as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, I have with me someone who is a part of the team at Fresh Roots Family Counseling in Rogers, Arkansas, and we're going to be talking about some of the long-term impact of COVID-19. I know we could feel like it's, it's over, it's done, but there are some emotional effects that we're going to be dealing with for some time. And so I just want to encourage you to listen along as we continue this conversation about it. Now, before we get to our conversation, I want to share a couple of things. First of all, we would love for you to connect with us through our email list. You can email us at info at studentministrymatters.com. It's a great way for us to connect. Uh, but also, if you happen to be in the Springfield, Missouri area this coming week, we would love to, to meet up. We are going to have a table at the Baptist Missionary Association of America National Meeting that will be starting on April the 18th. And so that is the date that this podcast drops. And so if you listen to think, oh, I need to get over and meet up with Dan, that is a great thing for you to do. I'd love to meet you there. Just come up to my table and say, I'm listening. Well, our podcast partner, as always, is Central Baptist College of Conway. And if you have someone in your life that's looking at that next step of what they're considering for college, have them check out cbc.edu. It's a great place that is Christ-focused as they consider what their next step is going to be, what their vocation is going to be. Have them check out cbc.edu. I'd love for to see them on campus, uh, see them checking it out with the people there. Uh, but you can do a lot of that thing, a lot of those things virtually. So just uh, check them out. Well, on today's podcast, again, we're talking with Todd Reef. Todd is a 1989 graduate of the University of Texas at Arlington with his Master of Science in Social Work. He has a PhD in International Health from Turo University in Cypress, California, and he's a licensed certified social worker. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. Thank you. It's great to be on. I appreciate you having me. Well, Todd, um, you are a part of the team at Fresh Roots. How long have you been with them? I've been with Fresh Roots uh, about s almost six years. I'm going on six years. So at least for the past five years, um, we had uh, a bit of a transition over from the old building to the new. Uh, now we're in, in our new building uh, that we can completed uh, right in the middle of COVID. So it's nice to get that open. But um, yeah, about past five or six years, I've actually been with the group. I was a colleague of the group for the past 15 years prior to that when I was with Wellspring, which is a, another practice that was just out of downtown Rogers. So even though I've just been with Fresh Roots for a little bit, I've been connected with Fresh Roots for almost 20 years. Well, over 20 years now. Fresh Roots is a great group of people and they sure. have been since their inception. Um, my wife has been connected with them for years. I just love uh, the work that Brad is continuing there 
yes. leading that group. Uh, Todd, again, so thankful that you're here with us as we continue the conversation about student ministry. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about helping our students navigate the emotional impact of COVID-19. Now, I know the immediate thought is, well, COVID is over. We're done. We can go on. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily the case. And so we're going to get into that. Um, But to let our listeners know a little bit about you, uh, tell us about your relationship with God, how it began, what makes you feel close to God, those type of things. Well, I, I joke, like to jokingly say that I've been going to church nine months before I was born. Um, I was a preacher's son for my childhood and uh, years, adolescent years. So uh, my, my parents and my family are a part of a Baptist church from a very young age. Came to know the Lord when I was uh, in middle school, but didn't really understand the full extent of what a relationship with Christ really was like. It really took me until my late adolescence, early early adulthood, uh, to really understand that having a relationship with Christ was a two-way street where prayer was, you know, talking to God and scripture reading, Bible study was God talking to me. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to understand God's direction for my life and, and the, the Lord's influence in my life and his hand on me, that I really needed to be um, into the scripture and not into just scripture itself, but into commentaries, into the different historical kinds of information that comes alongside of it, kind of a scholarly uh, look at the relationship with Christ. And then, you know, the, the faithful experience of walking on this earth, you know, that came about during those late adolescence, early adulthood years as well. And so I understand, you know, the Lord's hand upon me by confirming circumstances in my life, by confirming scriptural you know, discussion of that, and then by you know my prayer life and what brings along a, a peace and contentment with that. And so when I when you combine those three things, uh, it's in the scripture, it's confirmed through life circumstances, and there's a peace or a calm, what Paul called the peace that passes understanding. When that comes, I know I'm Hopefully, I know I'm in the the uh, Lord's will, and He's directing my life. Well, Todd, you live here in Northwest Arkansas. I yes. Didn't put this on our list of questions beforehand. <laughs> uh, but if you're going to go out to an evening with your family for a meal, uh, where do you go? What's what's one of your favorite places up here? Oh, we we like to go to uh, some of the Mexican restaurants over here in Pen- the Pinnacle area. You know, Mojitos is, is a kind of a favorite place of ours. And uh, then we like to go over to uh, some of the steakhouses, Longhorn and Saltgrass. And so we, we like to go to some of those places. Then uh, there's the fish. The, there's some really good seafood places that have popped up just across the road over here. And so uh, we like to go to, uh, I think it's called the Fish the fish House. That's it, yeah, the Fish House. Fish House, uh, nice. Over here. And so, nice. yeah, those those are some places that we like to go. Well, Northwest Arkansas is a a great place, and it's just grown over these last 20 to 30 years in incredible ways. So there's a little bit of everything up here. If you're looking for food, entertainment, all those things. There's a few things that I I think we're still missing up here. I'd like to see a zoo, a natural zoo. I'd like to see uh, some other things in that way, but we're headed in in some good direction. So, well... uh, you know, Todd, you are listed as a licensed certified social worker, and our two previous conversations were with counselors. What's the difference between those? 
the, the educational philosophy is a little different. The, the, uh, to get an LPC or to be blessed by the counseling board, uh, you have to do probably a lot more clinical work. For social work, it's such a broad field that, you know, social workers can be in uh, nursing home settings. They could be in state settings um, or like child protective services and some of those settings. They can be in clinical settings like I am, so in practices. So they can be doing uh, counseling as well as uh, psychotherapy and a little more in-depth things because hospital social work has come about. And so some of the more intensive clinical work, sometimes social workers are involved in. Uh, anyway, it's such a broad, broad area. It's just a little different. And then, you know, if you want to get into the the technical kind of political area, you know, political ac- action for social workers has been much more, I guess, of a, uh, of a dynamic than the counseling side of things. So uh, it's, it's just a little bit different philosophy overall. Mm-hmm. But the work that we do in many ways is, is exactly the same. Uh, we use some of the same techniques. We do some of the same things. Uh, we are helping some of the same people. So a lot of times we're sharing some of the same cases and we're working with different family members. Um, right, so right. it's it really is from from a layperson's point of view, it's pretty much the same. In academia, it might be different um, as, as well as I said, like I said, politically, uh, there's some differences. But other than that, we're we're very very similar in the work that we do as uh, as for helping helping professionals. Well, that that word helping professions is, is the question. We work with students, uh, those who are listening today. You know, we're often trying to help students figure out what's next for them. Some might be looking at vocational ministry. Some might be looking at some other type of helping profession. So what led you to choose the helping field of social work and counseling as a career? Well, I was in high school and I got into the arts, looking mostly at you know the speaking, uh, speech and debate, uh, drama, those kinds of things. And whenever you're in that kind of position, especially in the church, they put you up front, you know, they, they have you perform. And so right. I was doing a lot of speaking, a lot of performing, going to a lot of community events, um, as well as doing some things in the schools. And when I would do things, perform and things like that, people feel a lot more comfortable coming up to you and talking to you. And or maybe it was just the personality type that the Lord provided me with. But I just found myself in positions where people were talking to me. And I took that as, you know, this is an area that I probably should go into. And so I thought that I was really cut out to and designed to be a biologist. And I really felt like that's what the Lord was asking me to do. And so I went to school to be a biologist and specifically a geneticist. And then in my genetics class, all my fruit flies died. Uh, And my professor... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> couldn't, couldn't believe it. He kept saying all of them. And I said, yes, all of them died. And uh, he said, that's never happened before. And I said, well, they're dead. And so <laughs> I took that as a sign that I probably should look <laughs> for something different. <laughs> and so I went and was doing very well in sociology and psychology and had a good professor, a couple of good professors that uh, took me to the side and said, you know, you've got a particular strength in this area. Uh, I was searching the scriptures, trying to figure out a direction for my life. And uh, I found James 127, where it talks about the pure religion. 
the real religion being ministry to the orphans and the widows, you know, those that are less fortunate. And that became kind of my direction uh, where the Lord kind of guided me over into the area of sociology, psychology, and then eventually into social work. And so that was kind of my journey over to this field. And then once I got into the field, I did some some work there. I was in a psychiatric hospital in, in Abilene going through my undergraduate, and I did quite well. The um, patients you know, could talk to me and warmed up to me, and I had some skill at, at helping them make some incredible changes, some drastic changes. And that just guided me even further, you know, into an area mm-hmm. where uh, I could, could I could do this for a living. I could help people and continue on with my education and go into a, a practice. Today, we're talking about COVID-19, uh, mm-hmm. the coronavirus pandemic. And I know that while we're talking about some of the negative impacts of, of that, have there been any positives that you've seen come about in counseling because of the pandemic? Well, what we're seeing is we're seeing that families and, you know, those that the kind that the bubble, I guess, is what's talked about uh, when, as we were going through this pandemic. It's like, what, what bubble were you in? And so the, the bubbles, um, you know, kind of forced each other to learn more about each other than they really maybe wanted to know, but that they probably needed to know. And so they learned more about each other as a family, as couples, as siblings. Those that were in a bubble together really were forced to kind of be you know, in, in a situation where they could know each other better. And so in a lot of ways, that is a positive. It's, it might turn out to be a negative, but, you know, for the positive side of things, it was that we were forced to be together and with each other and to, uh, you know, know and understand each other. We, were learned, we had to learn to compromise with each other, uh, which was a positive thing. We had, we had to learn to hold our tongue sometimes uh, and not say what we were thinking uh, all the time. And so that was a good education. We also learned uh, how to use uh, electronics and how to, how to be moderate with that and not go too far. There, there was a lot of positives that went with it. It was you know, getting to know each other. I had one, uh, one guy tell me um, a year or two ago that 2020 was going to be the year of the dog. So it's like, you know, if you're home working, you know, your dog has you around. And so, it's like, <laughs> you know, for pets, they were just loving the, you know, the, the pandemic and the, the isolation and because they got more attention. So uh, I, I guess it was more togetherness, more learning each other's strengths and weaknesses, learning how to get along, uh, those kinds of things. Also, it's learning to deal with isolation, learning to deal with your um, downtime. What do you do with your downtime? Uh, scripture tells us where, where our treasure is, there's our heart. And so what do you do with that precious commodity? Mm-hmm. The most precious commodity yeah. in our society right now, the most expensive one, is time. And so we were forced to do productive things with our time, even when we didn't have something else to fill it. We had to come up with on our own ways to entertain ourselves, but then also to spend our time wisely and to do things productively and not just you know sit around uh, too much. And so, yeah, there were some positives that came with it. Well, I know for those of us in full-time ministry or even bivocational or part-time, there were some positives that we saw. Uh, many churches took on digital giving for the first time. Uh, many churches got their services located online for the very first time. And so there were some logistical things that happened that were positives uh, on a more 
elementary level. It helped us do away with some things that we didn't need to be doing anymore. It helped refine the ministry. And so I was curious. I mean, we think about it as being such a negative course, but there were some positives, I think, that came out both ministry and for families. And I know that in the counseling circles, one of the things you mentioned, um, not necessarily with or what you mentioned technology, but that was in reference to personal and family use. I know that I saw a lot of counselors be able to use telehealth for the first time. Sure. And so there were some, again, some logistical things that were good and positive. Now, while there are some positives uh, for ministries, for professions, and, and for healthy families, uh, what are some of the negative emotional effects that counselors are currently dealing with? Well, a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. When the, the kind of the curse and the blessing, I guess, for somebody who has, and, and one of my specialties is, I guess I should say, has over the years has been fears, phobias, anxieties, o- OCD, you know, those kinds of things. And so what happened with the social anxieties was it, it was a curse and a blessing kind of time. The, the, the blessing part was they, they didn't have to go out. They didn't have to um, interact as much. Um, so that was a a positive, but then it just delayed things, really. And so then when restrictions were being lifted, now we're seeing people coming to us and they don't know how to deal with those restrictions being lifted because they're still kind of back in 2019 or 2020 uh, with their issues, with their anxiety. And so now it's even amplified even more because they've taken this break, so to speak, and they've gotten used to you know, not interacting. And now it's time to get back into society, interact face-to-face, and they're having to catch up or they're having to deal with the anxiety that was there all the time but had just been masked or they didn't have to deal with it. Also, in the student ministry, what you might see is you might see a couple of different types of of people. One type, uh, and my wife has mentioned this, she's a teacher, and so she's mentioned this as students come back to to school, uh, is that there's the type of students that was – that craves social interaction and loves social interaction. And so when they come back, they are just over the top. They are just wanting to be all over each other and, uh, you know, want to try to make up for lost time, so to speak. And it might be a little inappropriate because it's just so intense. And so that's the one, one type of person. The other type of person is the one that has their development delayed in the area of social socialization. And so they're really two or three years behind. If you happen to be a middle schooler uh, right in the middle of all of this, your development uh, you know, really has not developed and come along like it needs to be because you haven't had the opportunity to interact face to face and actually be in the same room with a group of people and socialize. And if you're in high school, of course, a lot of the important things, milestones for high schoolers tends to be uh, in the area of social events. And that's been restricted as well. And so then you've got this missing out kind of component or this delayed uh, development component. So that's kind of on the downside, on the, on the negative side. You've, you've got that to deal with. Well, if you don't catch up on that, then that's going to continue on into early college and young adulthood. If you, you have to kind of catch up on that. And if you don't, it will continue to plague you as you grow and as you develop because you're not you're not on level 
uh, like you like you would have been had there never been a pandemic. Well, let me ask this question. With that in mind, uh, being behind, is everyone behind? I mean, are they all kind of at the same level now? You've got, of course, people at different levels. So let's say you were you finished your high school out and you graduated in 2019. Well, you were at a different developmental level. And so then if you're someone who was in middle school or junior high in 2019, your development might have, you know, been then stopped a bit. Mm. And so what the student ministry folks need to look for is those that are uh, immature uh, emotionally, that you can't literally look at them chronologically and say, oh, because they're 19, that's the age that they are emotionally. Uh, They have, they've had two or three years of being stagnant, you know, in the area of socialization. And so you might see a lot of immature behaviors. You might see a lot of behaviors that you would expect from somebody three or four years younger. And I think you just have to be prepared for that. And you have to take them where they're at and understand that uh, that's because of it's a sign of the times, you know. Well, are there any other um, effects that you're specifically seeing in teenagers? Uh, the focus on objects has been a little more pervasive than it has in the past. I've been in practice for over 30 years. And each decade, you know, there seems to be, even though there's a fear or worry about the the impact of electronics on our life, video games and otherwise, uh, computers and things, this era or this group seems to be a little more focused on that. And I guess the prevailing thought is that that's normal or that's okay. And so trying to figure out ways to uh, show them the need to interact, the need to assemble, the need to be with each other. That's you know terribly important at this point because if they're so focused on the electronic part, uh, then they're missing out, of course, on the face-to-face interaction, and they might skip that. So, teaching you know how to, how to because uh, electronics aren't going away; it's not they're not going right. to disappear. So it's teaching how to integrate that with the face-to-face. It's ways to turn that off and really be 100% with somebody rather than, than sharing your attention, you know, in the room with somebody who might be hundreds of miles away electronically. I know that COVID-19 is a bit of a touchstone, meaning, you know, I remember where I was when the Challenger shuttle exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, there are those that remember when Kennedy was assassinated, right. there are those that remember where the towers, when the towers fell. Yes. Um, and I think that this generation will definitely be, you know, remember these days and not a specific date, but they'll remember what that life was like during the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, especially those days when we were shut down and we were stuck at home. And, uh, you know, the last part of the school year of 2020, when everything just kind of went crazy on us is what it felt like. (laughs) Um, And so I know that we're going to be dealing with this for some time. You know, we talked about some of the current effects that we're dealing with and that counselors and ministers are dealing with, teachers are dealing with. Uh, What are some of the potential long-term effects that we still may be dealing with a few years down the road? Well, again, going with this, you know, if we're we're kind of delayed in development, uh, that might be something that we're going to continue to deal with. But also... It's a, it's a matter of understanding the difference between accurate information and inaccurate information. And I think that that's where we're seeing a lot of problematic kinds of things. 
where where we look to for information, what what we believe about um, the pandemic. There's been you know a lot of talk about uh, science versus you know other kinds of conjecture. Uh, there's been you know discussions on the ramifications for uh, the political landscape, the legal landscape, the of course you know religious or spiritual landscape. So what we really have to uh, help our our folks with is wh- where are you getting your information? And sometimes people can get into a certain mode where they just draw from one source. And so in academia, it's you know you're, you're taught to draw from many many different sources, and that's where the the strength lies in you know where the truth is, so to speak, or where the accurate information is, and so helping students really look to the scriptures as well as whatever is coming, you know, down the pike electronically, trying to filter that through because we're promised that we'll know the truth and it's the truth that will set us free. Well, truth has become very relative in our society and even more so, I think, during the pandemic. We have people out there with all sorts of claims of things that would cure COVID or help you from, you know, keep you from getting COVID, that um, there was a lot of very wild and strange, you know, informational kinds of things. And if people will just believe and accept, you know, one fringe kind of belief and somebody with the loudest voice, I guess, that's screaming the loudest, if, if they take that, and that, that happened a lot, uh, the hysteria I think got got a lot of people, and then people got caught up in the mask versus no mo, no mask, and the you know uh, uh, vaccinate or to not vaccinate, and so there was you know these lines drawn, and you could really tell where people were getting their information by what their actions were, and so I think that we have you know going forward, and what what may be I don't know, you could call it a positive if you want because there was those that navigated that landscape and they really figured out, I can't just believe everything that I'm seeing and reading electronically, um, that I have to go to professionals and I have to look at professional sources and things like that. And then there were those that uh, kind of got off track and, you know, they started doing some really wild stuff that was actually pretty dangerous. And so, really letting people know that there are sources uh, and there is truth and there is wisdom in, in, in a, a group of counsel. And there is information out there that is strong, you know, uh, academic truths uh, or scientific truths. And there are places that we can find those. And then there's things that they just don't sound quite right. You know, they just, it's just not, you know, sounding accurate or, and the, those things we have to question and we have to look at. We were also challenged. One of the challenges was uh, to be social, uh, to be an, an activist or to be uh, socially, politically, uh, you know, kind of active in that in the scene. We had the Black Lives Matter scene come through. We had all sorts of different other, you know, kinds of things that came through, and you know, you had to decide from afar. And that, I think, was something that going forward we're really going to have to deal with is do we trust what we're reading? Do we trust what others are saying? 
or do we look to our our church leaders? Do we look to our uh, you know spiritual mentors? Uh, do we look to the scriptures because um, they're still relevant today? And so that's I think that's a lot of what's come out, uh, and what we'll have to continue to deal with is this ability of you know, where do you get your truth? Where do you get your information? Right. It, it feels like what you're sharing and, and what we've seen is that we have become kind of untethered. <laughs> we've, we've lost that mooring of being held to the truth and being able to discern that. And so that's definitely something in the future we're going to have to help our students navigate. Did you notice any, as you've talked with with people in your office, as you've seen around, any sort of emotional trauma or anything along those lines that we're going to be that we're going to have to deal with in the days to come? The the word triggering has taken on a different meaning over the thirty years or so that I've been in practice. You know, triggered used to mean um, that there was a flashback or there was a traumatic event that occurred and you have been immediately taken back to that trauma. Uh, Now triggered can mean simply that somebody has hurt your feelings or somebody has said something or done something that you don't agree with. And just because you don't agree with someone doesn't mean, number one, that they're either completely or totally wrong, nor does it mean that you shouldn't uh, consider that and also be respectful. And I think that the isolation and the um, uh, focus on on electronics has really given rise to a lot of rudeness, actually. Uh, A lot of, as you say, untethered. There's really no um, responsibility that might come with that or consequences of typing something down and sending it out versus sitting in front of somebody face to face and actually saying those words. We, we wouldn't do that in a lot of cases. Pe- many people would. And so a lot of folks come out of the pandemic and they transfer that and they're actually saying things and doing things that are quite rude, quite, quite entitled. And it's just not good for a, a social relationship. It's not good for a friendship. It's not good for starting a, 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 a dating relationship, let's say, or a romantic relationship. Just being brutally honest. There's a difference between being honest and being brutally honest, you know, and that ability to, uh, to be uh, diplomatic in what you say uh, is something that we're going to have to deal with going forward. Uh, so, you know, diplomacy, compromise, you know, saying things in a way that people will listen or will hear you, that those kind of things are going to be going forward uh, with us. Well, Todd, I appreciate that information. It It has been, of course, difficult for all of us as we step through the days of the pandemic. I know that there are things that people will be dealing with really for years to come. I know that as I've spoken with other counselors, they've talked about the unease, and this may have been more of an initial thing of, of masking and then going into a classroom setting with no masks, um, how the students felt and what do they do and how unsafe they feel. And you mentioned it earlier on, this idea of anxiety that is one of those things that we're all dealing with. Even now, I, I found myself at a performance of my niece. She was performing with the the theater company at, at Providence School up here, and I was so excited to watch it. But I found myself sitting in an audience and thinking, 
if this is a super spreader. Yeah. <laughs> it just flashed through my mind and, and, I, be, and I got worried for a moment. And now I've been to ball games. I've been to other concerts. But for some reason at that moment, I was hit with, oh, this is, this is weird. It's unusual. It's not what we're used to. And so we're still, we're going to be dealing with this for a while. But as student ministry workers, let me ask this. How can we help our students navigate the current and future stressors brought about by COVID-19? What are some practical things that we can do? Well, I think you could provide uh, uh, information, be informed yourself, and so that you can be prepared and ready should you be asked questions and, you know, maybe just have several sources that you can point students to or that you can talk from, speak from, uh, have some talking points, but also, you know, like I said, some, uh, you know, websites or some, you know, uh, informational kinds of places you can help them get plugged into that can give them accurate information. Um, but then also, it, this has really been a test of really who's sovereign. I mean, who's, who's the sovereign here? Um, who's in control? It's mm. not us. It's this, it's this right. little virus. Ultimately, I don't know what you you believe or what your people that listen to you believe, but you know the truth of the matter is we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where there are colds, flus, and viruses, and they and some of them you know knock us down for for a few hours, uh, some a few days, and there are some of those viruses that come along that can kill us, and uh, that's just like our fallen world. And so I think that it's a good educational tool that ultimately we are not guaranteed our next breath, that we live in a world that we have to, we have to make the most of what's going on in the here and now. And that is, you know, to try and fulfill the, the mission that Christ gave us in the face of adversity. And that's what, that's what the early church faced. That's, what, that's when the church flourishes, is whenever they have adversity. They do the best when they are under persecution. And so I think that you can, you know, use it as a, as a training tool, as an educational tool, historically, as well as its, its relevance now. And that is that uh, even though we face worries and fears, even though we may be fearful, even of a tiny virus, we are still called and we are still asked to go into situations where we don't feel safe. But if we are called into those, that the Lord will be our shield. And he will protect us. And even if we do contra- contract a cold flu virus, uh, he's in that too. He's, he's in control. He's a big God and he's in control. So ultimately, you know, I think it's, it's about the sovereignty of God, that God is in control and he can take care of a little virus and, he, and he'll take care of us. Uh, even during these times, just like he took care of the first Christians who were facing the lions, who were facing the sword who were facing the cross, you know, they were facing all of these life-threatening issues. This is a tiny virus. Uh, This will pass and uh, we will face the next threat. This isn't the last threat. This wasn't the first one. This won't be the last. And so I think that that's a a good educational tool for us to know that ultimately God is in control and he will preserve his church. He will take care of his bride and he will be back again someday uh, to, to take us away. But for now, we got to live with the with the viruses. <laughs> we got to live <laughs> with the dangers. Yeah. There are dangers yeah. everywhere. That doesn't mean, you know, it's dangerous to drive your car. It doesn't mean you stop driving. It just means you're more careful when you are driving. 
And uh, so going into a group, maybe the same way, you're just more careful. You, you know, you, uh, you cough into your arm and uh, you wash your hands and you use sanitizer. If you feel comfortable where you wear a mask, you know, if you don't wear a mask, then you're eating healthy and you're maintaining your health and giving yourself the best possible temple, if you will, the temple of Christ. It's our body. You know, you're just taking care of it. And that's, that's where you go um, for your peace and your comfort. Uh, it's not in the world. It's, it's uh, in God and Christ and, and the Holy Spirit's in the Trinity. That's, that's where we trust. Todd, that is a great word and a great place for us to wrap up today. That God is in control. As we face pandemics, as we face threats of war, civil unrest, whatever the situation, God is in control. So thank you so much for that, Todd. You and thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. I enjoyed this very much. Appreciate you. Listeners, we want to say thank you for connecting with us and listening today as we've continued the conversation about uh, student ministry. And if you have questions for, for Todd, or if you need to find out uh, the best place for for some counseling for you or for one of your students, I'd encourage you to check out uh, Fresh Roots Family Counseling of Rogers. You can check out their website. That'll be in the show notes. And it's a way to to point your students in the right direction when there are things that that you need to to hand over to a professional, someone who can help them step through those difficult days. And so we just encourage you to do that. But listeners, thank you for for keeping on and, and connecting with us. And we look forward to to more conversations about student ministry, more opportunities for us to to be together. And we want to just keep working hard and serving our Lord and serving students because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.